You know, keeping up with the changes happening online and in the digital marketplace can feel impossible because the speed at which things are changing is happening quicker and quicker. On today's episode, Beth and I break down three big changes that we see that are happening within Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn that are sure to impact the building materials industry. So if you work in the building materials industry and you have an online presence and you're wanting to grow your marketing efforts, this episode is really important for you to listen to because there's going to be great insights that are not only going to impact your marketing today, but frankly are going to impact for years to come with some of the changes that are being rolled out across these different platforms. So we're excited to give you these insights. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikoloff, and today we're going to be talking about three big shifts, three big changes within Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google that we believe will impact the building materials industry. So Beth, why don't we start with Facebook first? And this is the one that frankly, I know the least about. So why don't you tell everybody what's happening with Facebook? And then we can dive into how this is going to impact manufacturers and what you need to do about it. So Facebook has rolled out a couple of changes recently. If you've updated your app on your phone in the last week or so, you've probably already seen this update in real time. So the biggest change that you'll immediately see is they've revamped just how Facebook looks in general, what your profile looks like, what the newsfeed looks like. And they do this every couple of years. Every single time it happens, everyone's like, it's so ugly. We hate it. And then in about two weeks, we'll all forget what the old version looked like anyway. But what's a little different about this redesign is it feels more strategic. Facebook is talking about it. They don't always talk about when they do redesign. Sometimes you just open your browser and there it is. But there's a couple of really specific initiatives or strategic shifts behind this redesign. The first one is that they are openly saying that they're moving more towards getting content that is focused around events and Facebook groups into the newsfeed and even decreasing just those one-on-one posts that you see from like your neighbor or your friend from high school or whatever. Why do you feel like that's happening, Beth? Like, why are they doing that? So, I mean, it's honestly based on data. Like, they know that the majority of the reason that people go to Facebook now is really for Facebook groups and events. I would say groups are probably the main reason. What's interesting is that as we've been talking about this around the office and just with other marketers, everybody's feedback is like, well, yeah, that is actually why I go to Facebook the most. They're finding that those were the most relevant information is people are kind of tired of the standard, hey, look at this spaghetti that I made. Hey, it's my daughter's birthday posts that their just regular friends have. They've kind of become burnt out on the way that that doesn't really feel organic. So what does feel organic is those really tight-knit communities, which we've actually talked a lot about on the podcast previously is that people want to be a part of something. And one of those things that people are a part of is Facebook groups. So Facebook groups are built around a ton of different things. There's for literally anything in the entire world, there's probably some type of group. So if you are interested in a specific book, a ton of books, a specific genre of movies, it's also centered around occupation. So there's lots of different facets of marketing, then it bleeds over into building materials, obviously. So there's some very active like woodworking, 
Facebook groups is one of the most active ones that we know about. Architects have their own groups, contractors, builders, all sorts of things. You know, I think, Beth, if we look at what Facebook is doing, like within the Facebook platform and within Instagram, I don't know if anything has been written about this, but like the overlap between the two, it seems like they're reducing the amount of overlap between each platform. You know? I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like years yeah. ago, you'd be like, wait, what's the difference between one? Like I get pictures that I like that make me feel good on Instagram. And then I get pictures that make me feel bad about myself and about, about the world on Facebook. Is that like the difference? Like, Basically, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, like it's like, and I also get cat videos on Facebook, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because Facebook is really, even though they're prioritizing video, which there's actually a change that they've rolled out recently about video that we should talk about also, Zach, but they're also really cashing in on the fact that they're a very text-based platform. So what's happening in those groups is text-based communication. People post questions, they post comments, they post ideas, they post success stories, job site builds problems. They're talking about products that they're using, products they love, products they hate, questions their customers have. I mean, it's just an endless array of content built around these specific communities, but very text-based in a way that just doesn't translate to other platforms like Instagram. You know, the thing, and not to get off your topic here, Beth, because I think we should we should give some recommendations about groups and what that means for the future of Facebook, because if I'm a manufacturer, I look at Facebook, I'm like, well, I use it for a couple of things because frankly, my organic reach has died. Like a couple of years ago when Facebook made those changes to businesses, the organic reach that you had to reach your audience literally plummeted without using yeah. ad spend. That That is not going to change. But what is going to change is your ability to reach your audience using groups in a way that maybe you haven't been able to before. So if you are a manufacturer and you've got an audience that really loves either your industry or loves the elements around your industry. So Beth mentioned, you know, woodworking or craftsmen, or maybe we're talking about remodelers or home builders, whatever it might be. Like there are like those niches of culture that exist within building products that you can capitalize with them. If you can, number one, find those groups and be a part of them. Or number two, even better, which I love is why don't you start your own group? You know, like start your own, start your own community, right? Like that's where there's a lot of opportunity. It takes time. It takes effort. But man, if you can be the owner of that, like the ability you have to market to those people and understand the problems that they have, goodness, like there's so much opportunity there. The other thing I would say about that, Zach, is just having the recognition that these groups are out there and then making sure that you're treating everybody you come across like a micro influencer. Like if we know, so what we keep talking about woodworking, honestly, like carpenters and woodworkers and fabricators are one of the most active communities on social media. That's why that we keep coming back to them. There's obviously tons of others. Roofers actually have a really big presence on social media. Anybody who's doing this type of like hands-on skilled labor, they really want to connect with other people in that same arena. But my point is they're all talking so frequently and sharing about your products, sharing about their experience with your sales representatives, with your customer service, with your warranty process, all of that. So it makes each touch point actually a lot more important. These aren't just like random, even if they're very small roofers who only do a handful of roofing jobs a year from their local community, they're able to have actually a very wide range of influence through these groups. So each contact and each touch point that you have is actually a make or break 
situation. And if you look at it from the other side, it's a really positive opportunity to get your product in front of 10, 20, 50,000 people who are out already sales qualified leads on a very regular basis. If these people are having positive interactions with you, they're going to talk about it. All right, Beth, I know we're, so we're going to talk about Facebook, Google, and LinkedIn, but I really want to talk about Instagram really quickly too, because there's something that just came out recently that a lot of people don't know about. And essentially what Instagram has done is they're starting to make shopping a bigger part of their platform because of what they're realizing. And gosh, like our interview last week with Justin like mm-hmm. proves this point that like yeah. people don't just view Instagram as a, a place of staying up to date with their friends. It's also a place where people actually research and find products. And so Instagram is making that purchase process a little bit more ingrained into the platform by allowing you to actually add at shop. Is that right? They want you to be able to complete your purchase in any website without leaving the Instagram platform. They've been working on that for a while. It's been a little bit buggy. It's actually recently gotten a lot better, but they're doing two additional things. Everyone can now tag individual items. So I don't have to be H&M to tag an H&M shirt. I mean, where else can you go, Beth, where like I can literally spin up an e-commerce transaction by tagging somebody else? Like that literally immediately. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, and you're right within the platform. Like that's pretty powerful. If I think about it, if I'm a manufacturer and I sell something that has an e-commerce component or I'm looking at e-commerce, I can't just think about my website. I've got to think about other places that commerce happen. Like we obviously think about Amazon, but you're, you're now, if you have the opportunity, you now have to think about Instagram as well because they are really, they're really trying to improve that checkout process, as you mentioned, that user experience. Well, it's such an incredible opportunity for brands who partner with influencers or have people that they know are just naturally promoting your product or your brand. Like they now can link directly to your product and I can then buy that product. This is really powerful for things like power tools and hand tools that already have some type of e-commerce component or where buying it all in one part already makes sense. And I don't have to be that company in order to tag that product with a brand name and a price. And then you just, the user would click on that and immediately you're taken to the cart. It's like moving Amazon's one click purchase to Instagram almost. There's still like, you have to go through the purchase process, but imagine the increase in sales you could have. If I don't have to remember who you are, find you on Instagram or leave Instagram, search on the web, figure out who you are, figure out where the product is on your website that I just Mm -hmm. saw somebody that I'm interested Mm -hmm. using, put it in the cart and then go through the purchase. Like my phone could ring in the meantime. My dog needs to be taken out for a walk. I arrive at the job site where I am and now I've got to get out of my truck. But all of that can happen in less than 30 seconds. So you're kind of reducing people's ability to second guess whether or not they need the product, Mm -hmm. which is you know, not great for impulse shopping, but really good for brands and purchases. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing that I think we have to dissect. Like, why is this happening? Like, why is Instagram making it easier to shop? And even Facebook, like they're introducing their marketplace shipping where Facebook is allowing people to directly ship and purchase through their platform, right? Like they're doing this as well. The reason why this is happening is if you look at what happened this past year in 2018, if you look at what happened, Google and Facebook, they oversaw or they controlled what we call like the duopoly. They controlled a majority of online ad spend. Isn't it like 85% or something? It's something crazy yeah. like that, yeah. And what we saw was this year is the first year ever that online ad spend has 
been greater than traditional ad spend. And the big reason why is, is not because of, of Google and Facebook. It's because of Amazon. Amazon is not only adding to the online ad spend, but they're actually taking from Google and taking from Facebook because people and brands and advertisers can see the direct correlation between advertising and purchases that they previously couldn't. So Facebook's response is, and we're going to talk about what Google's doing. Facebook's response is, well, let's just make shopping that much better and bigger part of our platform. We've already got the audience. Let's make shopping that much easier. I don't want to pretend like, oh, they're like, oh, let's make shopping a bigger part of our platform. It's like, oh, shoot, they're stealing ad dollars from us. Let's integrate shopping in a better way into our platform to respond to that, to make sure that people are not stealing our ad dollars, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's similar to what we're saying about why did Facebook redesign their platform and what are they doing with their algorithm changes to feed you more group content than just like one-on-one content. It's literally in response to analytics. Like Instagram rolled out an in-app shopping experience several months ago, probably about 12 months ago at this point. And basically their main feedback was it sucks. Not why is this here, (laughs) but can you just make it better? That's why the majority of people are on Instagram. Like we did a survey a couple of years ago, like several years ago, like seven years ago now about have you purchased something from social media or by watching somebody on social media use it. And it was actually surprisingly low at the time. We thought we would get back a lot higher response rate. I think the response rate at that point was like 15 or 12%. Yeah, it was low. Somebody like I've made a purchase directly correlated because I saw somebody on social media user for the first time and that made me buy it. That was actually lower than we expected. But then we did the same survey to the same set of people a couple of years later, just in the last two years, and that immediately shot up. I think I want to say it's like 40 or 60% now. People see it on social media and they just go and buy it. Zach has referenced a couple of times last week's episode where we interviewed Justin. He's a contractor and builder. And he said exactly that. I saw a fellow builder using a tool that cost $80,000 on social media for the first time, just did research to make sure that was the best option, and then I bought it. Like, that's what happened. Well, I would just say we all have some level of experience of that. Like, I have things that I, like influencers that I follow, I follow them because they use stuff that I want. And I want to see them use it and figure out if I want it or not. And sometimes they are like, hey, this isn't, you know, what you're typically here for, but I bought this other thing, thought you might like it. Like, I've made purchases like that. And I look for people to follow like that because our minds have shifted. If we think about how important we consider reviews, and I probably am talking about this too long. I just find this like so fascinating. No, this is great. So if you think about how we've treated reviews for the last five years, it's basically the same idea. Like you would never buy something without reviews at all. You, I think we've talked recently about statistics from Amazon. You, people will not buy something with less than a three-star rating. I think even three stars is like, I'm like, if that's got to be the only option. But that's kind of the same idea. It's not so foreign that we're seeing somebody who has, you know, multiple hundred thousand user followers. So that's giving a social proof. Okay, I'm not the only one who thinks that you have a reasonable recommendation or a viable opinion. And then that person says, hey, this product that is in a category that you're interested in anyway is pretty cool and legit and you should check it out. I don't know if I would make an $80,000 purchase, but I've bought some pretty sweet leggings. <laughs> well, I mean, to Justin's defense, like he he mentioned, like he DM'd the other contractor. Yeah. And it has, it's correlated yeah. to ROI, which is the biggie for that. Yeah. I honestly find this like path that Facebook and Instagram are going down and how they're just doubling down 
And like, you don't have to be an influencer with a certain amount of follows in order to be able to link to things anymore. Like that's, they're not that's totally big. doing away with that, but I mean, it's, it's huge. This shift is huge. Well, I think it's big because I mean, the reason why we got so excited about Justin's response is because sometimes it's hard for manufacturers in those in the building materials industry to prove the ROI of social media. Right. If you're not running an ad that's directly correlated to a conversion point, how do you know the value and worth of your of your following? Oh, well, now you can throw a, a shop tag on it and boom, you can you can purchase it right there. Like that becomes that much easier for you to track the correlation between the two. I do have to say, Zach, for a building materials manufacturer, as you're seeing these shifts happen, you have to be thinking about the weight of e-commerce. You have to. Yeah. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was talking to a manufacturer and they made a comment. He's like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. I really enjoy it. He's like, the thing I'm realizing more and more after listening to it is the area where there's the most disruption or the area that's ripe for disruption is in distribution. We talk a lot about getting closer to the customer and that really can come into play with actually how do you distribute your products. And I know that there's channel conflict and things of that nature, but that's something that like I don't think you can avoid that conversation. And it's an area where like we consult around too. It's like, how do you navigate that e-commerce component to be effective in your marketing? So so anyway, I know we kind of got on a tangent there with with Instagram and shopping Sorry. and things like no, it's I <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's so, so valuable. But you know, the thing for manufacturers is we talked about Facebook and their and their groups and Instagram and shopping, but it's it's really about connecting those experiences as well, you know. The next shift, and I think that, that frankly, Beth, this is the biggest one because this is going to yeah, impact. It is like this is going to impact people in a way that I think we're going to talk about for years to come. Like this, to me, like the, Google has made a change recently that I think is at the level of what Google did a little over ten years ago when Google said, "Hey, we're not going to tell you what keywords people search for when they find your website." Like that was a huge, massive shift. Like you don't know. Current, yeah, it yeah, continues you, to be annoying. Yeah, it can, it's just annoying. You're like, you're like, hey, you remember the days when you could like tell what somebody searched for and they found your site and then they converted? Like, you don't know that unless you pay for their ads. Google's making a change within Chrome browser, which is the most popular browser, that's going to impact advertisers and purchasers and shoppers online in a way that most people don't know about. So currently, if I am, let's say I'm on Amazon and I go and I purchase something for Amazon, what Amazon can do is Amazon can attribute my previous steps across other platforms to my purchase. So they can tell, hey, I went to Google, I searched for something. They can also begin to attribute other steps and other research that I might have done on other websites before my purchase. What this change within Chrome is doing is, is this essentially stripping out all of that data, all of that, the, of that information and putting it underneath the privacy bucket. Google is basically saying, hey, we're not going to share that with anybody else. We're not sharing third-party data across multiple platforms anymore. But Google will still have access to it, to be clear. Yes, Google still has access to it, but they're not going to share it. And so right. I read an article the other morning that basically says, and we can link to it, that basically Google is the only one who's going to win in this scenario. And now I understand why Google's doing this. They're saying it's all for the sake of privacy. But what this is doing is it's just like Facebook. This is in response to what's happening with Amazon, how they're controlling so much ad spend, because we're seeing already the impact that this particular change, even though it hasn't fully happened yet, is having on Amazon's ad strategy because Amazon can't attribute success from Google to Amazon 
Right. They won't get that cross-channel understanding. So it is extremely stunting Amazon's ability to have insight into customer user data and to understand that people who visit arcdaily.com are more likely to purchase rulers on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, what we're basically talking about is a world void of cookies. That is where we're headed, which in a cookie is for those of you who are listening, it's a way of tracking an individual across different websites. Like it's the marketer's dream is to attribute, hey, I went to this site and this site and this site. And that to me allows me to programmatically target people based upon interest, based upon what they've done and what they may do. It may not sound like a big deal. Like you're like, why do I really care if Amazon can't see what I'm doing? And it may even sound like a positive thing. And Google is certainly trying to position it as a positive thing. But One, it really takes away a lot of the competition that's necessary for a productive capitalistic society, to be honest. I mean, wouldn't you say, Zach? I think it's this is big because essentially you are blocking third-party cookies from tracking individuals. Like As a marketer, I'm like, oh my gosh, how in the world are we going to track people across multiple sites and then say if a campaign was successful or not? But as an individual, I'm like, okay... I guess I have more privacy, but really this is the individual that is going to benefit the most, I think even more than the actual user is Google because they're going to right. own That's all the, the thing. they're going to own all the data and you can still use their platform to target people based on the demographics but they're the only ones you're going to be able to do that with. Like that's why you're Right. So it's not that nobody's tracking the data. It's just it's just that only Google is. Yeah, they're just the ones sharing it. Like I think what will happen is you'll see new browsers pop up that will start to compete more with Chrome. Like this is just what happens when somebody owns like owns things the way that they do. Like Facebook, Instagram owns social, Google owns search, Amazon owns e-commerce or owns commerce, and they're fighting against one another, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if this didn't roll out quite at the scale that they're saying as well, just based on backlash and feedback. I'm not going to say it's going to go to litigation. I don't think it's at that level, but I do think that At some point, somebody's going to cross lines in this race to own the most data. And I think we could say that Google at this point is definitely the front runner. But the response in the market is that they're taking it too far. This is not for the benefit of anybody but for Google. And while we love you, Google, in case you're listening, they still have to play fair. All right, Beth, let's touch on LinkedIn really quickly because there's a couple of things that LinkedIn is doing that I think are important for manufacturers to know about. One thing that you and I talk a lot about is that LinkedIn is basically trying to be the Facebook of business. You go to LinkedIn and like there's conversation that's happening there that used to happen on Facebook like five years ago. It is much more of conversational marketplace than what Facebook is currently. And it's a little bit more filtered because it's a business environment. And the thing that we see, and there's some data out there that supports is that LinkedIn, I think is the number one, like their goal Sorry, LinkedIn's goal is to be the number one content platform for businesses. But one thing that they're they're starting to test and roll out is actually finding vendors, finding suppliers right within the LinkedIn platform. So when we talk about conversation, one thing that they're starting to do is adding reactions to conversations. Like we saw this rollout where there's more than just a, a thumbs up. You can actually add a couple different emotions where we go, okay, like no big deal. But this is this is done in an effort to provide more data around their audience so that they can support their ad platform. We saw the same thing roll out a few years ago with Facebook and then what kind of impact that's having on their ad platform. LinkedIn is is doing the same thing. 
Yeah, what's interesting is that, so LinkedIn is lagging a little bit when it comes to being a platform that drives engagement and drives conversations between members. It For a very long time, it was really just this place where like, when you published a blog article, you went on LinkedIn and you posted it just for like, you know, good service or whatever. And by rolling out features like reactions, so reactions have been a really popular feature on Facebook. I think everybody, again, it's like the redesigns, like everybody kind of poo-poos when new stuff comes into places that are really familiar for us. And then after a while, we're like, no, this is actually super cool. And then somebody literally uses that like new emoji on a post that you put and you're like, okay, I'm cool with it. I'm cool. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, and I think it's just says that LinkedIn is recognizing that people are doing more on LinkedIn than just doing the like, hey man, good for you. And they're giving you a better way to express yourself and recognizing that even in a professional setting, that's something that people are interested in. What will be interesting to see is how does that diversify the comments and the feedback that people get? Because it's very civil on LinkedIn. It's just all very civil. It's actually kind of a nice break from the rest of the social media platforms. But it's just an interesting nod from the LinkedIn platform creators to say like, hey, we're really basically committed to giving you additional ways to engage and have good conversations with the people that you're following. One other thing we've seen from LinkedIn, and there's, they're kind of teasing this. This hasn't rolled out yet, but I think it's it's definitely going to impact those in the building materials industry, is LinkedIn is going to allow people to start to post and search for vendors or search for service providers or products right within the posting area of LinkedIn. So essentially, if I go to LinkedIn, I search for, or I'm going to make a post, they will give the option to say, hey, I'm looking for this kind of product service vendor right within that post that goes into my feed. So I can add what exactly I'm looking for, where I'm looking for it from. And what that does is that allows for business connections to be had right within LinkedIn because people know that I'm looking for somebody. Like if I'm in manufacturing and I see that somebody is searching for, let's say roofing materials, or I'm searching for cladding, or I'm searching for some sort of, you know, building product, I can literally go on LinkedIn and say, hey, to my group, my connections, what would you recommend in this kind of scenario? And boom, those people get notified and I can make recommendations based on that. Like that's already happening within LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is saying, hey, we're going to make it that much easier and allow people to search and find and sort by that. Yeah, it's similar to Facebook's recommendations feature. It's a great idea. It also is going to allow you to ask for people. Like if you have a job opening or you're looking to get connected with somebody in a specific field, you'll be able to ask that too. So on Facebook, you're looking for dry cleaners. On LinkedIn, you're able to ask for recommendations for a good in-house marketer. It's a really organic direction for LinkedIn to move in. The thing that I would say about LinkedIn is that I'm looking forward to is how they're going to allow you to more easily expand your network. So for instance, in Facebook right now, and I've seen LinkedIn do it a little bit more where I'm seeing things that are from people that I don't follow, but are liked by people that I do follow. That's new for LinkedIn. They were for a very long time, like had really hard lines around your members and your followers or your connections. And those lines are becoming a little more and more blurred as time goes on. And I think if they want to be really successful, they're going to have to continue to blur those lines within reason just to allow increased visibility. Sometimes it feels really not worth it for a lot of, especially manufacturers, because you don't have a ton of followers on your page. Your brand isn't a brand that's going to necessarily ever garner 75,000 followers on LinkedIn. 
but you still want to be able to find worth in the content that you're posting and the engagements that you're finding there. And in order for you to do that, LinkedIn's going to have to update their algorithm and who sees what in a couple of different ways. So I know we've thrown a lot of changes at you. This is a little bit of an atypical episode, but there's just been a couple big changes across these different platforms we think are important for you to know about. I think it's interesting, Zach, just all of these changes hitting at the same time. At the beginning of the year in our 2019 predictions podcast, one of the things we talked about is just the pace of change and that this may not be your cutoff year. So if you're a building materials manufacturer who really isn't ingrained in digital marketing yet, we're not saying this is your last chance, but we spent some time at the beginning of the year talking about how it's going to be harder and harder to catch up. And I think these three changes in three very significant players in the digital marketing space are an example of that. If you're basing your marketing on information that's even at this point two or three years old, you're going to start to fall behind the eight ball. It's becoming really crucial, but slash more difficult day after day to keep up with what these platforms are doing, how they're responding to user feedback and how users are using their platforms. And then what you as a marketer need to do in order to stay ahead of that and be an organic interaction and an organic content piece rather than just a brand who's like always trying to play catch up. Awesome. Well, that's today's episode. If you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I am Zach Williams alongside Beth Popniklov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikolov. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.